You're listening to the sermon podcast by Southside Baptist Church in Florence, South Carolina. We exist to know God and to make Jesus known. For more up-to-date information, check us out at southsidenow.church. Well, good morning, everyone, once again. Uh, Today, we'll be continuing on our series in the book of Ruth. So we'll be in Ruth chapter 2 this morning, verses 14 through 23. So Ruth chapter 2, verse 14 through 23. And today, we're looking at this idea of being blessed and highly favored. In Ruth chapter 2, where we are at, let's do a little bit of review because it's been a few weeks since we were together. Last time in the book of Ruth, we saw where the the women had arrived in Bethlehem. Ruth and Naomi uh, have arrived in Bethlehem and Ruth went to work. She was protected. And the Lord providentially led her to the right place at the right time, to where she needed to be. And then we saw Ruth and Boaz in their first encounter together. Today, we'll pick back up with Ruth while she's working in the fields. Now, a note on Bible, in Scripture, the text at different times can do different things. The text is very straightforward in application sometimes. Sometimes it's along the lines of thou shall not kill. That means to not kill. It's, sometimes it's pretty straightforward in application. Sometimes it's telling us what's happening in the story. Sometimes it's telling us what happened and something that we shouldn't do. For example, Solomon having a thousand women does not mean that you should. Okay, so forth and so on. Today, we see in this story that we have an example that God is showing us in the person of Ruth, the person of Boaz. God is giving us godly examples to look at and godly role models to follow in this story. In this passage, we see Ruth continue to work and to do her best at what she is doing. We also see the generosity and we see the generosity of Boaz. And one of the repeated ideas here is the idea of the Lord's blessing. In the South, there can be several ways that we greet or we recognize other people. You know, we may wave, we may give a handshake, we may do a fist bump. Uh, you know, you may have, that's kind of like, I notice you, I recognize your existence. Uh, you may have a nod up, which is like, hey, how's you and your family doing, sort of thing. Or come over here, so forth and so on. Well, in the South, it's definitely an expression that I've heard before, and many of you may have used. Uh, if somebody asks how you're doing, and you'll say, blessed and highly favored. I can remember several times where I've asked people, and, and they'll say, blessed or uh, more than I deserve, something along those lines. And they respond with that phrase. Well, what does the idea of being blessed mean? What does blessing mean? both get at a similar idea when we're looking at the Bible. The idea of approval. Yes, there's lots of things that come with blessings. There's things like physical blessings, God's provision in our life. That is true, but his blessing, when we're looking at it in the text, is his approval on them. From a fatherly perspective, it's the idea of being proud of your kid. You know, those moments where your son or your daughter uh, does something or they behave in such a way that you're proud of them. You're uh, glad that they did that. For example, right now, Karis is in kindergarten, and with Karis being in kindergarten, she comes home 
smiley faces that let us know her behavior. How was she that day? And she's been above average uh, lately with blue smiley faces and even even had a purple, which is really good uh, this last week. Makes me proud of her. Another thing that makes me proud of her even happened this morning, which I think is hilarious in a a cute way. this morning, uh, they had asked if anybody wanted to pray, and Karis had volunteered, and then immediately went into the Pledge of Allegiance. So led the kids in the Pledge of Allegiance this morning. So I'm raising a Christian and a patriot, uh, which is good. But you know, approval is that idea of being proud. Of Approval also carries with it then the idea of togetherness, of one-mindedness, of being together on something. You know, in most traditional wedding moments, there's a moment where the groom will go and probably nervously ask the father for his blessing. Now, that doesn't necessarily seeking uh, permission because they may get married anyway, but they are looking for approval. Are we on one mind on this? Are we together in this idea? So blessing then can be approval, but it also is togetherness. Are we on the same page. God means his approval rests on you, a togetherness in your relationship that can often have blessings in other ways, in all the ways that he is good to us, in all the ways that he is kind to us. And today we see some examples of those who are blessed in the end of chapter 2. So let's go ahead and read Ruth chapter 2, verse 14 through 23. Now today, because this is such a large section, I did not put it on the screen, which means you'll have to open your Bibles. So open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2, verse 14 through 23. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull out from the bundles and drop drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would teach us from your word. Lord, as we see the examples of godly men and godly women, Lord, I pray that we would reflect them, but more importantly, that we would reflect you. That we would be 
Jesus. And this morning, I pray that you would just teach us. Lord, help us to be more like your son. In Christ's name, amen. The first thing I want us to see is that the Lord blesses generosity. The Lord blesses generosity. In verse 14, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among stopping her and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. Generosity and hospitality are things that should be characteristics of us as followers of Christ. Generosity and hospitality have been traits of believers in the old covenant and should be traits of those believers in the new covenant. Here, Boaz is a shining example of generosity. Here is a man who is not just kind, but goes above and beyond to take care of someone else, someone in need, to make sure a foreigner, an outsider, is taken care of and treated well. Not only has he been kind to her, not only has he allowed her to to glean, which is what the law requires, not only uh, to do so in safety, but now he gives her a meal. He and his workers, and she ate all she wanted and had some leftovers. But also notice in 15 and 16 that he orders his workers to help Ruth in another way. To glean was to go behind and pick from the leftovers, part that would be left in the field. Here, he says not to glean, but to let her take from the harvest, to take from the portion that's not left over. And not only that, but to have his harvesters harvest some to pull it out and to leave it where Ruth can easily gather it. Boaz goes above and beyond the cultural norms. He's above the letter of the law. He does more than what the law requires of him. He demonstrates generosity, service, and kindness in a huge way. When I was thinking about generosity, this is a quote that I found by John Wesley. John Wesley is an important person in church history, founders of the Methodist Church. And he said this about generosity. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Boaz is amplifies this idea and this lifestyle. Here is the truth. That God's favor, His blessing, His approval rests on those who are like this. Those who serve, those who help others, those who do good to those who need, to those that take care of other people in all the ways that you can. That's being not just like Boaz, that's being like Jesus. Because that's what Christ would do. And we are not only like Boaz, but like Christ when we are generous, when we give, when we serve, hospitable, when we help others. As we apply this, in Boaz, we see an example of generosity. So this week, my question for you are what are some ways that you can be generous? Maybe that's generous with your time. Maybe that's sitting 
who needs you to have a conversation with them. Maybe that's sitting with someone, spending time with someone uh, who just needs some company, needs some friendship. Maybe that's spending time with someone, a coworker uh, who's in a bad situation. Being present. Maybe you can be generous with your time. Maybe resources. Maybe there's somebody who needs help, and you know of that need, and you're able to help them. To help someone, you can help. Maybe it's service. Maybe it's simple as someone can't do the yard work they need to do or the, the work around the house that they need to do. And God would be generous by helping that person. It could be as simple as weed eating or mowing or helping in their house. So how can you be generous this week? Secondly, as we apply this, in generosity is a way that we get to reflect Christ. That's a way like Jesus. Point number two, the Lord blesses hard work. The Lord blesses hard work. Verse 17, so Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Notice Ruth's work ethic here. She works all day. Ruth was a hard worker. She's in the fields, and farm work ain't easy work. For those who've ever farmed or uh, been a part of a it takes a lot of effort. It's, you get dirty. You get tired. It's out in the sun. You can get hot. That's very hard labor. What we don't see in this text is Ruth complaining, Ruth griping about having to glean or where she's at in life. We don't see her whining about Instead, we see her applying herself, and she filled an entire basket. Now, what's interesting here, this is one of the places where English falls short. A basket, you're like, okay, cool, it's a basket. What this actually is in the text is an ephah. An ephah is a measurement about, but we see that it is comparable to a bot, a liquid measurement, and there's a comparison in Ezekiel 45. So that's our only reference, only clue to the quantity of this. Archaeology has been done at Tel Bet and at Lachish have found that son of 22 liters. So an ephah, a basket, would have weighed about 29 pounds. In one day, she harvested 29 pounds. To put that into perspective, in ancient Babylon, the wages of a male worker for a day only one to two pounds per day. So in one day... Ruth collected a half a month's wages. She worked, and she worked hard. But we also see that she was generous herself. She's not just doing this for her. She's taking She provides for Naomi. We see another simple truth here in the text, that God does bless. God does help. But you know, God also expects us to do what we need to do. God's approval is on hard work. God has designed us to work, and that was part of his plan even from the Garden of Eden. He put them there partially to tend and to keep the garden. What I find so encouraging about Ruth here is even in her position of poverty, even in her position where she could be complaining about a whole lot, yet there is a nobility 
her character and how she works, her work ethic, how she handles her attitude. She does what she knows she needs to do, and she gives it her best. She gives it her all. As I think of hard work, I think of many people in my life. There were many there at Perry's who were farmers, and as I they worked uh, in the fields quite frequently. I got used to seeing uh, some of that farm work from their perspective. But I also think of my family. There's been several in my family who are hard workers, uh, but specifically I think of my papaw. I don't remember a lot about my grandfather. Uh, he died when I was eight or nine. Uh, and I don't remember a whole lot, just images and uh, stories about him. But he grew up in a time where uh, he went through World War I, the Great Depression, and World War II. And in that time, he had to serve and he had to work hard in the fields. He worked in an aluminum plant during the war uh, and helped with that way. It was hard work, and he, he, he did everything he could to provide for his family. And I believe the Lord blessed him. So as we apply this today, part of the application then for us is one of the things that the Lord wants for your life is to work. Sorry to bust your bubble if anybody was hoping working. Uh, The Lord intends us to be uh, fruitful with our hands and our minds and our time. Secondly, we can be faithful to the Lord in working, whether it's in the fields, the doctor's office, the grocery store, the bank, police, etc. God wants you to be faithful with where you are. Just as Ruth, Ruth was faithful to glean and to work hard in the fields, God wants you to be faithful where you are placed. Work isn't always fun. Since the fall of man, we've been talking about Genesis 3 uh, with our students. Talked about that um, last week, and then we'll be talking about that this week. With the fall of man, one of the things that happened is part of the curse rests upon work. So that work isn't always what we want it to be. It's not always fruitful as we would like it to be. It's not always as rewarding as we would like it to be. There can be uh, disagreements that come at work, or there can be uh, different challenges you face there. Jobs can be tired as you would want. But what God wants is for you to be faithful with what you've been given. Seasons change. Jobs can change. What doesn't change is the Lord wanting to use you right where you are. And you being faithful to Him and where He has placed you. We see that the Lord provides. The Lord provides. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. Naomi is amazed at what Ruth has brought home. And we see the theme of God's blessing. Then goes to tell Naomi about her day. And then Naomi responds in verse 20, May the Lord bless him. Naomi told her daughter-in-law, He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Blessing, again, foreshadowing. We see the idea of the kinsman redeemer. We're going to talk more about this in the future and what this means, but here we see that God has provided. He's provided for Ruth. He's given her a a place to work and to work safely, uh, to be able to provide for her and Naomi. He is on multiple occasions up to this point, but here in the kinsman redeemer, we see foreshadowing of where the story is going. He's not only provided food and safety, but he will provide a new home, a new family, security. One of the names of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. 
He is the one that we see that takes care of us. The one that makes a way when there is no other way. God was good to Ruth and to Naomi, and I believe that God is good to us. In verse 21, then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire did. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Jew as he said, my daughter, stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. The Lord provided, and the Lord took care of Ruth and took care of Naomi. And the Lord was providing for Boaz as well. And here is what I believe this morning, is that the same God who was at work here and provided for them is the same God at work in our lives who takes care of us. In verse 23, so Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the, the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. Life continued. And as life continued, God was still good. God was still present. God was still providing. God, who provided for them, is the same God who takes care of each one of us. Today, I would encourage you as we think about this text together, be generous. Be someone who gives of their time, their ability, their talents, their resources. Be that expression of Christ in this life, that we would take care of those who need help. Be someone who's generous. Be someone who's servant-hearted who helps other people, who thinks more of others. Work hard where God has placed you. God has placed you with a certain realm of influence, and he intends you to be in that space. Be faithful with what God has given you, and trust the one who provides for us. Trust the one who provides. This week, I pray that you will be encouraged by this message. And seek to follow the Lord in each and every day. But as we look at the life of Ruth and Boaz, we see great examples of servants. We see great examples of someone who is servant-hearted. Someone who is what Christ would want them to be. Today is a special day here at the church as well, as we get to celebrate the ordination of one of our deacons here at the church. Stephen Chapel. I'm going to ask Stephen and his wife, Lexi, to come up at this time. Um, Yeah, have the chair for you. I'm going to have Lexi sit and then Stephen kneel beside of her. To be a deacon is to be a servant. A diakonos is the word that is used, and it literally means a servant of the church. In Acts 6, 1 through 7, we see the call of the first deacon. Acts 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility." then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. 
Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicolaus of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Today, Stephen, I charge you, the church has selected you to serve in this capacity. You have been serving in this capacity. Will you accept responsibility and strive to fill the position to which you are called to promote the interests of the church, to support the pastors of this body, and to look out for the poor and the needy of the church? Do you affirm your allegiance to Christ, the church, and the scriptures? I now charge you, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that ever you strive to fill your office to the best of your knowledge and trust in the Lord each and every day. At this time, I would like to have all of our, our, all of our ordained men. If you're a current deacon, if you're a deacon who served in the past, you have been ordained. What I would like you to do is we'll line up in this center line here, line up in the center aisle. And what we're going to have now is have our deacons uh, lay hands on, uh, pray for this family, uh, and encourage them. After they are finished praying, I will close us out and we will be dismissed.